You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Wednesday, December 12th. And will Luke Kennard lift the Pistons to new heights? That's the question today. This is your boy, Matt Shook, a sports writer here in the Motor City covering the NBA for the Associated Press and the Detroit News, a Pistons fan, follower my whole life and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. I repeat that same line to start the show, and I hope the regular listeners can maybe follow along and maybe mouth the words with me. That's kind of my my goal in life at this point. But thanks for the listen to everyone. What's up to the new listeners? Spread the word. We really appreciate that as we are fighting to find our way here in the podcast world. We are your only daily Detroit Pistons podcast, so if you're a big fan, you need to be listening to this show every day and contributing when we have segments for you to do that, which is pretty much every day. Today, we are going to look ahead to tonight's game against the Charlotte Hornets. Talking about the Charlotte Hornets always makes me feel like either I'm making a mistake or maybe I'm going back into time 15 years or so to the Alonzo Morning, Larry Johnson days. But it's a team the Pistons will probably be duking it out all season with, no pun intended, about the Blue Devils down on Tobacco Road. But we're also going to update you guys on the Pistons injury situation, the latest that I have late here on Tuesday night. As the game beckons in less than 24 hours, we're going to talk about Luke Kennard, what he said after Monday's big game for him in Philadelphia, and what needs to happen for him to be successful, and how I kind of see this thing going for him. We don't want to overreact too much to one good game from Luke Kennard, but it is kind of the one thing that could unlock this Pistons offense and turn it into something higher and better than what it's been, other than small incremental ways that they can do to improve some things along the line as well. But I got some listener reaction to the Who's Your Piston question. Also going to open it up to the Google Voice line for the mailbag too. We will be the first podcast of all time to do a mailbag type of segment. Just kidding. Every every podcast in the world does that, but we're going to do that one as well. But give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account, aptly named Locked on Pistons for the handle. And also check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. But the Pistons, them of the five-game losing streak, will be on the court tonight in Charlotte in what most certainly is a red-letter game in every sense of the word. If you're new to the show, the red-letter games are games against those teams that I figure the Pistons will be duking it out with all season for one of those last spots in the Eastern Conference playoff hunt. I've still got the same group of teams, and I added one more recently that I'm going to tell you about, Indiana, Washington, Miami, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. I haven't tossed Brooklyn off the list quite yet. Although I suspect that they are on thin ice with Karis LeVert out and the losing continuing to come from here. I'm still going to keep Brooklyn on the list for now. Still keeping Indiana on the list because I do believe that that's a team that that could slow down a little bit and the Pistons maybe could catch sometime this season. But we're going to add Orlando to the list today. Um, Maybe against my better judgment, I think they are going to fall off. But they've been playing well enough and are in the playoff hunt right now. So we're going to keep them in the list, which of course helps the Pistons record in red letter games because they've already played them once and got the win on the road so the Pistons are now 2 and 3 so far this season in red letter games probably the most important ones of the season because not only are you getting a win one of 82 if you beat one of those teams but you're causing that team to lose so it's a little bit of extra bonus there so far the wins are the opener at home against against Brooklyn and the game at Orlando uh, there as well where the bench played so well the losses they had the back to back at Brooklyn they had the home game against Miami and the home game against the Charlotte Hornets were the three losses there. But uh, the Pistons, I mean, they had a five-game winning streak, and now they're in the middle of a five-game losing streak. Just fun times. If you're a Pistons fan, we're all pulling our hair out 
at points about this team. The Detroiters are now 13-12 and 12 on the season, one game over 500, and a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, just two and a half games inside the playoffs. We always talk about teams being two and a half back or whatever, but I think it's more you know impactful for the Pistons to be thinking about staying inside of the playoffs, so that's the way we look at it here on this show, two and a half games inside of the playoffs, so two and a half games better than the ninth seed right now, which is Miami. So Charlotte sitting in the seventh seed, but just a half game behind the Pistons, so these teams will, of course, reverse uh, places in the standings in the Eastern Conference if the Hornets are able to get a win tonight. Hornets coming in on a two-game winning streak, but had lost the previous three before that. Charlotte has not played since Sunday, so once again, the scheduling gods not shining on the Pistons. And I know that the Pistons have played 25 games, by the way, the least amount of games in the NBA. So this might sound like sour grapes when I talk about the Pistons getting screwed on the schedule, but we all know that that has a lot to do with the ridiculous stretch of games that started right after they lost the Charlotte Hornets, by the way of one game in seven days earlier this season. And guess what? You don't need the rest when you're that early in the season. In fact, back then, it would have been better for them to be playing games under a new coach and getting comfortable. And they've still, despite the fact that they've played the least amount of games in the NBA to this point, they've still played three back-to-backs. And they're only going to play, and they're they're still going to play, you know, two back-to-backs in February, four in March, one in April, during the dog days of the season when you need those rests 13 back-to-backs total for the season for the Pistons, and they're only playing opponents who are on second halves of back-to-backs 10 times. So three of those schedule losses, whereas opponents coming in only have 10 schedule losses against them. And by the way, the Pistons also play Sacramento, who should be back in the basement of the NBA by then, twice in a short span in January, and both of those games are the second halves of back-to-back. So layups that you would expect to have are uh, certainly difficult games against the, one of the worst teams in the NBA. And neither, neither of those games, Sacramento will be playing a second half of a back-to-back themselves. So the Pistons might go ahead and lose both of those games against, like I said, one of those layups of the NBA. But I digress. Charlotte, we know that they are a good team. Remember when they lit up Detroit a couple weeks ago in Little Caesars Arena, uh, Kemba Walker and Tony Parker with the big games as we expect for them to have and expect any point guard to have against a team with uh, especially Reggie Jackson and, and Jose Calderon as your lead point guards. This is the first of a five-game homestand for Charlotte. And by the way, coincidentally, this homestand will end with another home game against Detroit on December 21st. So not, not long after that, Detroit's going to be back in Charlotte closing up this five-game homestand for the Hornets. They feature a lot of good players, but Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is back in the lineup. He got hurt in that win in Detroit, as you remember, on that Sunday afternoon, but he is back. Um, He only missed a little bit of time after that injury, so they are healthy. Kemba Walker's running on on, uh, great fuel, whatever fuel he uses, um, the premium stuff probably. Um, Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk, Cody Zeller, Nick Nick Batum, a, a solid team all in all, certainly not unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination, but the Hornets have won Three straight in the series ever since Detroit won an opening night in LCA in the first game in LCA history for the Pistons last year. But it feels worse than that, doesn't it? Because of the beatdown that they put on a Sunday afternoon last year in Charlotte and also the struggle earlier this year, uh, frustrating loss for the Pistons there. Miles Bridges from Michigan State, the rookie we know, to be looking out for him as a Michigander resident as well, Flint guy. Um, demoralizing losses for the, Char- against the, for the Pistons against Charlotte recently. That needs to change. The Hornets, by the way, interesting stat. Uh, this is very un-Piston-like of them, but they have 
not been more than one game of above 500 all season or more than two games below 500. So they are right at 500 all season long, just the definition of mediocrity. But because of the injuries the Pistons have, the Hornets will come in as of right now, as I tape this on late on Tuesday, favored by five and a half points, probably, like I said, because of those Pistons injuries. And up next, we're going to talk about Luke Kennard and also update you on the status of the health of some of these Pistons. But is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right here, right now on Locked on Pistons. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with the sponsors that they hear on their favorite shows. Our demographic is 98% males with more education and more earning power than traditional media audiences. So have your company sponsor the Lockdown Pistons podcast, email me at matt underscore shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com to find out more. Yes, sir! A little bit later on, we're going to hear a listener story about who their piston is and also introduce the mailbag. We'll be the first podcast in the world to ever do mailbag segments down the road. Of course, we're just kidding about that. But uh, send me some questions, 810-666-1546, and we will uh, open up that mailbag. Like we said, we'll use it for maybe some short-term one-question hits every now and then, or maybe we'll open it up to a whole segment at some point if you guys really have some questions for me about the Pistons, about the past, about the future, about the present, about myself, about the podcast, about some of the guests we've had, about some of the guests that you want to hear because we can get them. We can have some access to this team. Obviously, i got some in my mind that I hope to get uh, down the road. And um, But if you guys have some requests for guests that you want to hear sometime soon, let me know. But we're talking about the injuries, obviously, the biggest topic around the Pistons right now. Five guys that were out for much of the game, if not all the game, on Monday night in a loss at Philadelphia. And we, we talked about it on Tuesday's podcast, that uh, encouraging loss, if there is such a thing, especially when it's a – Pretty convincing loss towards the end of the game, but the Pistons were fighting. They got it back to within three in the third quarter, maybe even early in the fourth as well, when Henry Ellenson knocked down that three. And good for Henry to go out there and play pretty well as well. And maybe this continues to be a little bit of his chance going forward. And I know that with uh, Blake Griffin coming back, they're not going to need as much front court help, but maybe he can be someone who kind of gets a few minutes of spot action even tonight with Blake Griffin coming back, kind of uh, fitting in for that uh, that three spot. And I know that's not good for his defense and fleet of footness, but of course you can you can fit guys and fit the right combinations out there together, especially against the right kind of matchups if, if Charlotte goes big a little bit of that and maybe try to hide him a little bit defensively in certain situations. And you can find you know two, three, four minutes for certain guys every night. But a little bit of the update, Blake Griffin, no reason to believe that he won't be back Tonight against the Charlotte Hornets after a rest game, I'll call it and say that he'll he'll be back. Stanley Johnson, he worked out before the Philly game on Monday, and uh, there was some thought from Dwayne Casey that he was listed as questionable. There was some thought that he might be back coming into this one, but he did a little workout before the game and then told Vince Ellis in the locker room before the game that he would not be there. So if you're hoping for one of these guys to come back, Stanley Johnson might be a decent chance. I'll put that at, uh, let's say, 55% that Stanley Johnson comes back. In this one, Ish Smith, the backup point guard, they said on Friday when they announced the the right growing tear that he has that uh, he'll be out at least two weeks before they evaluate him. So no go there. Certainly no Ish Smith tonight in his hometown of Charlotte, by the way. Glenn Robinson the third and Reggie Bullock, both with ankle injuries. Bullock's missed a couple games. Glenn Robinson the third got injured on Monday night in Philadelphia. Those are the ones to keep an eye on when the 1.30 p.m. injury report comes out. Check me out on Twitter. I'll be Keeping an eye on that one when that comes out, or maybe the guys, if there's a shoot-around um, 
on Wednesday morning in Charlotte. Those guys might have the information from Dwayne Casey there, uh, the reporters, you know, James and Rod and and uh, Vince as well. So check those guys out on Twitter. They might have the, the instant updates on some of these guys and if they might be available for tomorrow night, that would be the place to check. Um, Glenn Robinson the third was supposed to have an MRI on Tuesday, according to James Edwards the third of the Athletic. Oh, the third. I didn't even notice that those guys are both the thirds. Maybe they've bonded over that. But uh, um, according to James on Twitter, uh, he ran into him at the airport, uh, presumably flying from Philadelphia to Charlotte on Tuesday. And uh, according to James, Glenn said that he's getting an MRI today, as of so that was Tuesday. So he uh, results obviously from James when he sent this tweet weren't available quite yet. Um, he said last night's X-rays after the game were negative, obviously a good sign there. But he had a walking boot on his left ankle, and also was wearing crutches and was in a wheelchair. So yes, uh, James goes on to say it is the same ankle that he basically shattered last season in Indianapolis. And tweet there, end quote, and tweet. I don't know exact uh, vernacular there, but anyway, that's bad. That's bad news. Obviously, a walking boot, crutches, and wheelchair. That's uh, that's really getting after it. That's a lot of care. Right there, but I mean, obviously, you want to take as many precautions as possible with pro athletes. No reason to um, to bundle to not to have the guys all bundled up as much as possible to have. A, but to think that a guy would be in an airport with a walking boot on, with crutches and a wheelchair one day, and then play in an NBA game um, across the country—not across the country, but a, you know, a plane ride away. Uh, the next night, to me, is a little bit of a stretch, especially when you're talking about an ankle that has been a big problem for him in the past, and a player that's not so detrimental to the team that you want to rush him back. So my guess is that Glenn Robinson III, no chance he's playing tonight, and uh, it might even be an extended absence for him. Like I said, in a walking boot, crutches, and wheelchair, according to James Edwards III. That sounds like a, a, a medical staff that is being very cautious and might have a negative uh, view about what's going on with Glenn Robinson through his ankle. He, he basically must have been in the airport looking like Reggie Jackson does on the bench with all of his medical gear that he has on just to stay warm and to keep his ankles good as well. But uh, Rod Beard also reported on Tuesday in the, the DetroitNews.com that it is likely that Zach Lofton will be in Charlotte tonight. So I'm hope I'm thinking that he probably got some information from the uh, from Dwayne Casey or the Pistons uh, PR office about that. Or maybe that Rod's just kind of supposing that that would be the case, especially if Glenn Robinson III is out. And you might need Zach Lofton for some more minutes, especially if uh, Bullock is out as well. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look at the numbers that Zach Lofton has been putting up in the G League pretty much night in and night out since he suffered a concussion fairly recently, but he's gotten over that. And he's back out playing for the Grand Rapids Drive and putting up numbers for them too. So we will see Zach Lofton probably tonight in a Pistons uniform and probably getting minutes. If you listen to this podcast, you know that he is one of my favorites in summer league and training camp. I thought that this guy is not afraid of the moment and really got in there right away and played pretty well. So we'll see if he has some of those uh, moments. And we know that it, uh, that Charlotte's a team, one of those rare teams that also kind of struggles on the wind. Or, I'm not the wind, the wing, like the Pistons do. They're they're kind of. Um, you know, top and bottom heavy. Cody Ziller, Ziller, pretty good post player. And then, um, you know, led by their point guards, obviously. Kemba Walker being by far their best player. But it's not like most teams that can expose the Pistons on the wing, especially when they're shorthanded like they are. So kind of fortunate that this is the team that they're scheduled to play against right now. 
you know, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is a good player, uh, but mostly defensively. He's not going to expose you offensively or something like that. And, uh, you know, Nick Batum, uh, Jeremy Lamb, pretty good players, but not guys that are going to drop a 30 on you or something like that because you're so weak on the perimeter. So really kind of a fortunate scheduling that this is the type of team that they're going up against when they're shorthanded on the wing. So I guess that's some good news for the Pistons. That will not be the case Saturday night against Boston, by the way, as they will run wing after wing after wing after wing, talented, athletic guys. So really more important win and loss-wise uh, that uh, the if, if the Pistons have any chance of beating Boston on Saturday night that you get you know a Reggie Bullock back or a Stanley Johnson back, some guys that can defend the Jason Tatum's, Gordon Hayward's, Jalen Brown's, the list goes on and on of the world. So uh, just something to keep in mind as we're thinking about who comes back on Wednesday or not. Luke Kennard, however, he, I would imagine that he will start again. And he will, some way, somehow, will be probably a fixture of this starting lineup until uh, you know some of the guys come back or maybe Dwayne Casey makes a more permanent decision about who's in the starting five. Um, again, Glenn Robinson III did not start. I know he got injured on Monday, but he did not start that game either, so it was obviously a decision that Dwayne Casey made about his starting status, and I know that has something to do with the other guys who were starting, which is a little bit unusual when you have a John Luer starting over Blake Griffin. But uh, to me, it's an indication that uh, Dwayne Casey's ready to pull the trigger and take Glenn Robinson out of the rotation anyway. So, you know, we'll see what his future's like down over the, the, the short term, the medium term, and of course the long term, knowing that the Pistons have the option for him on year two of the contract that he signed. But 28 points on Monday and a career high for Luke Kennard, five for eight from three point land, really showed off what Pistons fans have been waiting for him in terms of an explosion every now and then and a reliable third car, third or fourth scorer for this team in crunch time and a guy who can make it happen night in and night out. And that's what the the fan base is hoping for. Luke scored the first five points of the game for the Pistons and and played well throughout, knocked out a a deep three in the second half as well. Luke Kennard said after the game, I've been struggling since I got back. My coaches and teammates told me to stay confident, stay aggressive. So that was my mindset coming into it. We knew we had some guys out, so we took the opportunity to just play hard and just try to get a rhythm back. I think he should start. Is it a perfect uh, fit defensively to have Luke and Reggie uh, Jackson on the court together um, starting? A couple guys who can't defend much at all. Uh, No, but uh, Glenn isn't defending anyone either these days, so I propose that this should be something that the Pistons should think about. And I know the size becomes an issue with Reggie Bullock and Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson in the starting group, but maybe there's adjustments you can make otherwise around that. Or, uh, you know, maybe we get creative and we start thinking about the fact that can Reggie Jackson and or Ish Smith and or Jose Calderon be the answer for our primary point guard if we hope to go anywhere? And I think that's a decision that the front office needs to think about. And the short-term easiest way to maybe remedy that is to really think about uh, like a Bruce Brown at one, a Luke Kennard at one. These are experiments that we've heard about but haven't seen on the court, and maybe that's something that as Luke gets more healthy, that can be something you can you can think about. I know that Luke Kennard as point guard doesn't solve a whole lot of your defensive problems, but uh, I think he, he is a little bit more effort, like we saw against him with Ben Simmons on Monday night, and maybe you can afford to put a Stanley Johnson or something out there with a little bit less offense to maybe shore up the defense during crunch time minutes if Luke's out there instead of Reggie giving you more consistent and uh, less needy offense in terms of needing the ball and uh, needing the shots to be happy. 
With the Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. You should be checking it out. Locked On NBA Net is the handles for both of those platforms. It's amazing during games. And on Twitter, you can check out all the shows there. Or on Instagram, you can check out clips from all the shows there. Just a great way to connect with the Locked On Network and to be the best and most efficient NBA fan you can be. Because that's all it's all about, right? we got only so much time in the day. We concentrate on the Pistons because that's your team, presumably if you're listening to this podcast. But you want to know what's going on around the league, but you don't want to sit there and listen to 30 Locked On Pistons podcasts every day. Who has the time to do that, to to listen to the other ones on the network all day long? But next we're going to hear from a listener story about who's their Piston. And, uh, of course, we're going to open up the mailbag. That's next here on the Locked On Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Locked On Network, your team, every day. (laughs) Hey, Matt, this is Bration and Philly. Um, great question. I've been waiting for this question. Number 24, Antonio McDice was my guy all the time. I remember the first game he played, I think it was against the Rockets. You know, he was a high flyer coming off that knee injury that nobody thought would pan out. And then everybody was saying, Dumars might have made a good gamble if McDice pans out. And then that 05 championship uh, finals, uh, he was the only guy that could score. Spurs locked down the Pistons, Pistons locked down the Spurs, and McDice was the only guy who could get a bucket. He was good from mid-range. He was like a big man rip, really, in terms of when the Pistons needed a bucket. He played grimy defense on the other end. I just loved, I loved watching him in person. I loved seeing him play on TV. I was just like, no, McDice is going to come in, and he's the sixth man. I was, I really wish they'd have been able to get a ring with him, and you know, uh, in the 08 crowd with Boston uh, eventually getting it. But um, Antonio McDice is my guy as far as Pistons uh, random players. Thanks, Breach, for that. That's his Piston, the unheralded one. Obviously, I'm looking for guys that aren't the Zeeks and the Joe D's and the the guys that we always hear about, even the Chaunceys and Bens. But, yeah, Antonio McDice, he's a good one, a nice free agent pickup by the Pistons that, like you said, was a little bit of a risk, a little bit unheralded, and uh, maybe Joe D wasn't getting any credit in that that summer for bringing him in. People thought he was maybe washed after all the knee problems that he had early on in his career. The high flyer early in his career, but then kind of changed his game. And like Breach said, became a little bit of a mid-range star. Interesting that we haven't heard much about McDice and his post-playing career. I know I've seen him in some pictures with the, the best five alive, so to speak, according to George Blaha. And, uh, but it'd be interesting to know what Dice is up to. Maybe we'll try to catch up with him and get him on the podcast sometime. So, Breach, thanks for bringing him up, and thanks for getting him back in my head here as we uh, looked at some more interesting offbeat interviews to maybe – Get away from the monotony of the day-to-day of the Pistons season. Sometimes frustrating, but also, like I said, a little bit monotonous, a little bit repetitive at times, and we'll try to keep it a little bit fresh for you guys. But give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. And then also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And give us a like on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook too. And you can reach out to me on those platforms or also email Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H at yahoo.com. If you got any ideas or if you want to, get involved in the discussion or maybe you don't want your voice on the podcast or something like that. And we understand about those kind of things, but 810-666-1546 is the number. If you've got any mailbag questions, who's your piston, or we'll take some stories from the road. Uh, last call on those stories from the road as well. So send those along. And again, you could text that number if that works out best for you. 810-666-1546. But this is your boy, Matt Shook, the host of the Lockout Pistons podcast saying thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll have a full breakdown of the Charlotte game coming up 
in Thursday's podcast after they play tonight. And I'll be at practice Thursday if there is one, so we'll get some more stuff from the Palace of Auburn Hills practice facility on Thursday for Friday's podcast as well. So thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, have a good Wednesday.